deconstruction. This is a term I never expected to hear in regards to faith, God, and the church. Yet it's popping up in my newsfeed and conversations with friends more and more. See, there are people who grew up in the church who are now going back and completely deconstructing their faith. They're starting at square one and questioning everything. In a lot of cases, they're leaving the church. Maybe you can relate. Why is this happening? And the main focus of today's episode, what needs to happen in a person's heart and in his or her relationship with Christian people that starts to heal those wounds and gets them to step back into the church? This is the non-exclusive podcast. Stories that remind you, you're not the only one. Hosted by Candice and Rebe. Do you have a creative goal for this year? We believe you can do it. And like we always say on this podcast, don't do it alone. Let's talk about it and encourage each other. That's why we're so excited to partner with Craftbox Creative. This is a new online group that's going to help you reach those creative goals. Our friend Hannah Moyer is the mastermind behind this. She was actually on this podcast, season one, episode six. And in that episode, she says, your community is your secret weapon. That is so true in life and is so true of this group. It's your new secret weapon for all of your creative endeavors. So Craftbox Creative is a space to learn, grow, celebrate, and heal. It's a space to explore your creativity and to meet others in the same place, yet from different backgrounds. When you join the group, you'll see monthly themes, journal prompts, problem-solving forums, and opportunities to promote your creative work. Get early access by heading to www.hjm.social slash craftbox or by clicking the link in the show notes. We decided to talk to someone who lived through all of it. Tasha Layton has an incredible and intriguing story to tell. She was on American Idol, sang backup for Katy Perry, and now has a Christian album out while being an awesome wife and new mom. But today, she's talking about her college years, when she completely walked away from faith in God and people involved in the church. While everyone's story is unique, we asked her all about what it was like to leave and then what it was like to come back the lovely and the unsavory parts of the church she encountered when she re-entered her faith and why she decided to stick it out and grow stronger than ever before. Well, I grew up in South Carolina in a conservative Christian home and um, my family, you know, loved God. They loved people. And I really was excited about my faith. I was excited about Jesus and missions and worship music and all of those things. You know, but like a lot of people out there, I just experienced some hurt in the church. And um, it would take longer than you have on this podcast to tell the whole story of that. But uh, long story short, I just experienced a vast chasm between people who said they were Christian and even Christian leaders in the church and like who the Bible tells us to be and to be like Jesus and then who um, I was experiencing them to be. (laughs) And um, it was just really painful. And I, I had some personal wounds from some church leaders and I just decided to walk away from the church because I was sad about it. I was hurt and I 
I couldn't understand how people who were supposed to be Christians could be so mean. <laughs> yeah. I just couldn't understand. And so um, I was just in a really dark place. I was depressed. I was sad. I was hurt. And I just went searching. And I, I switched my major. I always wanted to serve God in music, but I decided that I was going to switch my major from music to religion and really seek out truth. I went to Buddhist meditation camp and I went to synagogue and I went to mosque and I studied mysticism for a summer in Europe. I, I just needed truth because I was hurting and I felt stuck. I was also studying a lot of, you know, really humanistic philosophy at a liberal arts college and um, all of that, you know, coupled together put me sort of in a bad spot. I was suicidal and I think at the lowest of low, I just took inventory of my life and I, I realized that in all of these other religions that you have to strive to reach God, that you have to try to be good enough or try to do all the right things to, to be accepted. And in Christianity, Jesus is in hot pursuit of us. And he comes down and says, we're, you know, in the season of Christmas and we're singing about Emmanuel. It's Emmanuel, God with us. Like he's come to us. I just realized that I, I didn't have to be good enough, that he was good enough. And something about that shifted. And, you know, I was reading books like The Case for Christ and I was just reading anything I could get my hands on to try to stir up the faith I knew I once had. I didn't, I didn't realize how I, it could be so real to me for so many years. And then all of a sudden I just feel completely empty of it. But at the lowest of low, I just realized, you know what? Jesus is the only God of all these lowercase gods that I'm um, searching out that offered any power to transform in my life. So I decided that, you know, I was going to go back to church. That wasn't an easy decision. I I didn't necessarily um, connect with a lot of people there. I felt like I had gone through some searching and questions that they had not. And I don't say that pompously. I just lived in an area where, you know, everyone was sort of sheltered and shielded and all that. And so um, I just felt like I had this open mind that I, I couldn't meet other people who thought the, what, the same way that I did. And I thought something was wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, you know, faith is a decision much like love is a decision in marriage. And so I, I decided I'm just going to go back and whether I feel anything or not. And I forced myself to go for about a year and a half. And then my decision to kind of come back to faith and Jesus and all that was really just one Sunday, the pastor said, hey, if you need a touch from God, come up at the end of the service. And then I, I left three hours later because it's just a sobbing mess on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of started my journey home, so to speak. Um, I'm just curious. So was it the same church or a different church that you went back to? Definitely a different okay. church. That's the church I'm that curious. I was a part of, um, you know, kind of dismantled in a lot of ways. And I drove an hour one way to a church where nobody knew me and um, where I didn't know anybody else because I, I just needed to be away from the drama and church splits and, you know, pastoral scandals and all that stuff. I just wanted to be away from it. Yeah. So... Um, no, I think that's smart. Yeah. But we were, you know, talking a little bit when you got here today about how, you know, this problem of people feeling 
let down or disappointed or abandoned by the church is it seems to be happening more than we're acknowledging. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm grateful that's not my story, but at the same time, I can't imagine feeling like that. Like that would feel so isolating, so alone. Mm-hmm. And so I know like if someone's listening right now and they're in that spot and questioning what they believe, like what would you say to them? Cause you've been there, you yeah. know, and you had to work through that. I think I would tell them first off that God is not intimidated by your questions. I think I had a lot of questions that made me fearful as a, as a conservative Christian growing up in a Christian home. I thought for me to be questioning who Jesus says he is and the reality of him being the son of God and the virgin birth and all these things that I had real questions about, I was afraid to say what I was questioning because I didn't want to be judged. I think so. First off, I'd say God's not intimidated by your questions. Um, he knows and he will walk with you through it. And then second of all, don't judge yourself or others because I think I was judging myself because I felt afraid to go where I knew I needed to go to get my questions answered, both mentally, spiritually, all that. But I was also judging other people who maybe weren't questioning. Um, I was judging the people who are super conservative, thinking, well, your faith is one of ignorance because you haven't tested it. And I, I would say whether you are on this side of someone who has walked away from the church, and when I say church, I mean organized religion, you know, not necessarily like your love for Jesus or your salvation. When you've walked away, don't don't judge the people who are who are in it. And if you're in it, don't judge the people who are searching because the minute you think that you are better off than someone else, you have entered into judgment. I think, you know, it's just like Republicans and Democrats. It's the same concept. They're, yeah. they're both doing the same thing that they're accusing the other of doing. Yeah. And that creates a, a space between you and the rest of your body. Because the New Testament, it says we're all one. We're all pieces of one body, parts of one body. And so when you judge your brother or sister, you're, you're putting yourself at odds with yourself, not necessarily with them. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If you're questioning church and all of that, no, don't be ignorant that to not, to not think that you are in a season and that they're in a season. Everyone is in a different place in their journey and we can't judge other people for where they are. I keep thinking of two things. First off, I just love the idea of like, I think we all search like we're all searching and we're, whether it's like outright, like having to leave the church to search or searching, like, but the cool thing is like scripture clearly says like seek and you'll find me. Like that's yeah. literally what draws you closer to him. And that is like amazing. So the fact that like we judge others based on their searching, like where they are kind of breaks my heart. And it, it to me, it, it's what like fosters that place where all these judgments and mm-hmm. hurts and why people are like, well, those Christians, they're jerks and let me leave the church. Um, And like, that just like keeps popping in my head that I love that like your seeking did bring you closer. And that's exactly what scripture says. Well, I used to turn to the book of James a lot, even, even in the, the seasons where I wasn't even reading the Bible per se, I was reading 
the Quran. And a lot of people think that, you know, you can't read the Quran unless you can read it in its original language. Like it's not really reading it or what, you know, but I, I was reading translations of all these other, um, quote unquote, holy books. And even during that time, I would go back to James, draw near mm. to God and he will draw near to you. And in James one, it says, you know, know that the testing of your faith can produce perseverance. And I think to those people who are searching, know deep down that the testing of your faith can produce perseverance and patience. And in the end, I, I'm a much stronger believer. I, I have reached a point of no return. Like I haven't gone back or, or returned to, to any of my former thinking once I crossed that line. And so I think just know that that can happen for you too. And that that is God's plan for you, that your faith is tested and then it produces perseverance. That's encouraging for me to hear because I've noticed that even in my own life, as new ideas come up, as new conversations happen, like you realize, oh, I don't really know what I think about X, Mm -hmm. Y, or Z issues or theological questions. And there are a lot of questions when it comes to faith. Yeah. Um, and, and the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> the smarter you get, the the more you don't try to share your opinion because you realize, you know what? I don't know everything about this. Right. Yeah. And I have people in my life who, you know, know what they believe in a lot of areas. And I so respect that. And I still do. But then I've also come to have a new kind of respect for people who are willing to just say, I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Yeah. I'm still learning this yeah. or I'm still trying to figure this out. Like if you have any insight, let's talk about it. I'm like, because I'm there on some things mm-hmm. and sometimes it, sometimes it takes getting to there yourself, even in smaller areas to like have that respect for having the questions. And I love what you yeah. said about God's not afraid of your questions. Like that's why he's here. Like that's why he gave us his word. That's why he gave us his Holy Spirit that's, he's walking with us and that's huge. And I'm a curious person. (laughs) I'm a curious person and he made us to be intelligent beings who question, who learn. And I think that we sell ourselves short when we just accept whatever anyone tells us. I love it because we recently got sent, a friend of ours sent this article to us (laughs) um, of this woman who has left the church and she just had just this horrible, horrible experience in the church. And we're sitting here like, hold wait a minute. Like we have so many questions. This is confusing. And wait a minute, how is this lady so angry at the church? Um, because that's so like not our experience. And I totally am with you. Like I'm curious. Yeah. I have so many questions. There's I've done a lot of seeking. It didn't take me out of the church, but it did make me go through a phase of like, I don't know about you, God, right now. I'm a little bit frustrated with you and like what I'm, what I know. And so to see you like walk through it and then come back, Mm -hmm. um, and know that like he is the hope and he's the only one you don't have to like strive to do anything for. I just think it's really beautiful because that's, that's like his heart for all of us, you know, Mm -hmm. whether we've walked away or not. Yeah. And I'll say this, I, I don't always know, you know, things about, um, end times and, you know, Levitical law, like there, there are so many things that I have questions about, but I I think the, the thing that I don't have a question about 
is my relationship with him as far as his character, um, God's love for me and his heart towards me. I think those are the things I don't question and I am sure of all the other stuff. I don't know. And we'll know when we get to glory. (laughs) And, you know, it says we only see partially, we see in part, but we will see face to face. And I think it's good to kind of make those separations about what, what are the main things and then what are the details that we're not going to know until, because there are things that scripture's not super clear about. You could argue it both ways. So yeah, it's, it's a tough place to be in for sure. Obviously, my heart is to see people outside of the church come back in and, you know, grow in their faith, all of those things. But what? Like, I'm sure that was hard. Yeah. I, I bet there were people who didn't understand. Maybe, and then maybe there are people who did understand. I would love to hear from you any stories or examples of what went well, what mm-hmm. didn't, you know, like what can we learn even just from your story and your re-entry, if you will, sure. to the church? Like, what can I learn from it even as I welcome people back? I think that when I came back from that season of sort of hurt and being suicidal and depressed, I don't think there was anything more that the church I was going to could have done. They were so loving. They just loved me back into the fold. They loved me into healing they just loved me. There was no, hey, you should do this or you should do that. No shoulds, just loving me. And God brings his own conviction. You know, Jesus came to save a world that deserved condemnation. We deserved condemnation, but he gave us love instead. And he's our model. We're supposed to be like him. So he's the only one that could judge. And he didn't act judgmental towards people. So that should tell us something. Um, Even the woman caught in adultery, you know, she was caught in the act. They bring her to him. He says, um, you know, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. So he's saying this to all the people around. So he's protecting her. And then when they leave, he looks at her and says, don't you ever do that again. So there's this balance of love and justice, but it's always personal and it's always straight from him. So I think loving me was was the best thing they could have done and they did it well and i think for those people in the church welcoming people who are outside who are maybe bitter or resentful or just negative or suspect um you know paranoid about the church or whatever when they come in don't try to have a conversation about what they be- should and shouldn't believe like just love them <laughs> yeah. just love them and that is you know Paul tries to get it into our heads in the book of Romans that we've all sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. And the the second we think, whether that is because we are not partaking in a particular sin that that other person is, or whether we have the older brother syndrome, or we think that we're, you know, we're just self-righteous because we do everything quote unquote right, or we're good, um, or follow the rules, like we have pride, you know what I mean? So what, whatever end of the spectrum that you're on, we, the second you think that you're better than someone else, the second you think that you're better off or more moral, or you're abiding by 
scripture more than this other person or whatever. You have lost the idea. And he also says in Corinthians, Paul does that, that you could do all of these things right, but if you don't love, you're a clanging symbol. It's, it's all for naught. And so I think the best advice I could give to both sides is to release that spirit of judgment over the other person and to know that you have just as much sin as the person that you're judging. And we're really creating a vacuum in our lives when we judge other people. And we think by judging them, we're helping God change them or we're assisting God and his work. And instead we're creating more of a vacuum of, we should really be focusing on our own walk with God and our own um, ability to love them. But instead we're creating this vacuum of judgment and it constantly needs to be filled. And we're, we just enter into judgment all the time. There's a, a really great book called Repenting from Religion by Gregory Boyd. And that book was really instrumental for me in sort of my healing and um, really showed me some ways that I was judging that I didn't even realize um, because I was sort of the older brother doing everything right, abiding by the rules, um, you know, straight A's, whatever, like straight laced. And so I didn't realize as a good Christian goody two shoes that I was judging in a way that was much stronger than I realized. So releasing judgment and loving, I think those are the two things that both sides can do. You know, when you've asked yourself some hard questions that you come into contact with people and they haven't asked those questions, don't look down on them and don't think, you know, you're ignorant or you're this, or you're, you're not as intelligent or whatever. No, like they're just different from you and they're in a different place in their journey. So you cannot judge them either. Um, so yeah, judgment and love, it can pretty much be summed up in all of that. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a tangible example of what it looked like for people to love you in that season? You know, there was a, a lady in the church that I was going to, and she just, every time I came in, it was like my grandma, um, Every time I went to my grandma's house, she was so excited and so happy to see me and just loved me. And, um, you know, that feeling of like a healthy grandparent when they give you that love that's just, oh, it's outpouring and just overwhelming. That's how she reacted when I walked in on Sundays. And as short of a time as, you know, a couple minutes before service starts on Sunday was, I was interacting with her. That made a huge influence on me. She loved me. She would send me little birthday cards with just encouraging notes and scriptures on them and just loved me. I, I don't even know how to... Influence is powerful and subtle. And sometimes you're influenced and you don't even know why you've been influenced. You just know you're changed after being with somebody. That's kind of how it was with her. In the several churches I went to and worked at following that season... I'd say the same thing about some of the people there. They just loved me. They made me dinner and invited me over. They helped me when my computer broke down, you know, or when I had a flat tire, you know, j just did life with me. There's a reason that we are supposed to be in community. There's, there's healing that comes in community. When we have isolated ourselves and walked away from the church and we 
lose that community, we lose the ability to heal completely, in my opinion. Because, you know, God could have chosen to be alone, but he didn't. He's three in one. He's Father, Son, Spirit. He's in community with himself. And if we're made in his image, we are to be that as well. So I think that isolation is probably one of the biggest hindrances to people answering those questions of faith because they they try to go it alone. And anytime you do that, it's just not going to pan out well. But um, they just loved me, just did my stuff. That's all it took. My hesitation in talking about loving is that it sounds trite mm. and it sounds cliche. And like everybody says, that's what you do. But it really is truth to move people past the simple, you know, oh, I hear that all the time and they're numb to it, to actually loving people. That's a hard task. And I don't know how to, how to get there myself sometimes. Like, I don't know how to love people sometimes well. And I'm constantly trusting God to show me how to love them the way you would love them. But even to ask yourself that question on a continual basis is a challenge. (laughs) You don't always want to ask yourself that question. Even like when it's your spouse or your family member or someone who's, you know, has more of a capability to wound you. It's hard to put your, your stuff aside and put them first. It's really hard. So now you're in ministry, Mm -hmm. um, music ministry. I know you've worked in churches and ministry as well. How has your experience affected how you approach ministering to other people and being in leadership? Yeah, I, I think it's been my experience of both wounding and healing, but also traveling a lot. I just don't have the same perspective as I did. I, I don't see as distinct of lines between sacred and profane. I do between holy and unholy. But as far as, you know, the difference between, oh, someone who goes to church every Sunday and they don't miss a Sunday and someone who doesn't go to church every Sunday and who is questioning their faith or whatever. Like I know plenty of people that have been in church every Sunday and they're not even Christian. <laughs> yeah. They're not even following Jesus. And then others who are, you know, genuinely in community and just trying to figure it all out. We're all trying to figure it out. And so I think those lines are not as distinct for me anymore between what a person is doing to follow Christ and what they're doing to not follow him. Like, I'm not going to judge that anymore because you don't know what's going on in someone's heart. You can, you can discern fruit of a person's life a little bit, but even then you've stepped into the role of judge. When you do that, I'm just not scared of someone questioning. I I have being a female in speaking places. I, I have a lot of moms come up to me after and they'll tell me, you know, about their daughter who's searching or that they're worried about and all that. And as a parent, oh my gosh, like I totally understand. Cause if my son was struggling with something, I would be in it with him. You know, I'm, I'm totally with them in that. However, when they tell me this, I'm just never scared because I know how far away I was and how far gone I was. And you are never beyond the reach of Jesus. There's nowhere you can hide from his presence. And David says, if I make my bed in the pit of hell, you'll get me there. You'll grab me there. And I just don't, I don't think that we're beyond his rescue ever. 
so I have these moms come up to me and, and talk to me. And I think I just have a different perspective about people's questions. And, and I also try to speak to those people when I'm in a room, I don't just talk to, um, the Bible thumpers, so to speak. Like I'm, I'm always thinking of the peop- the person who is the one sheep who the shepherd's going after. I, I think I'm always there in my mind and I'm, I'm careful how I phrase things on social media or whatever, because I don't want to, I want to include everyone and being inclusive doesn't mean that I ingr- agree with everyone else's point of view. It just means I'm I want to draw them in like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is drawing all men into the Father and he's going anywhere necessary to to draw us to him. And I I want to be like that. I want to go to the ends of the earth and get them. And you can't do that if you're if you're stuck in one place, sheltered. You can't be salt out of the salt shaker. You can't season anything that way. I've had a lot of experiences with people who are searching and they see me and they don't always know my story. So they think that I'm on the other side of the spectrum when in fact, I'm just on the other side of the pain. I think I'm just more patient with them because I, I know how they're feeling. And I mean, you can never know completely how someone is feeling, but I, I I identify with how they're feeling and I just listen and then I smile and I hug them and I just love them because I know we, we underestimate God's love. We think, and when I say we, I, I'm making a generalization about the church in America or the Western world that we have thought we needed to explain truth to the people who don't know it. We think that we have to be the person who breaks everything down for the quote unquote non-believer. When in fact, I mean, that is the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to bring the truth to light. Our job is to love. And we, we step into the role of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father when we try to discern what's what and help people along and fix them. It's God's job to fix them. We just are to love. And that is powerful. We underestimate the power of God's love, just his power in general that we think that he's not powerful enough to tell people where their sin is. Like, we feel like we have to tell him. (laughs) Like, (laughs) come on. He's the the creator of the universe. And all-knowing, he knows their sin way better than we could ever know it. My random question is, like, because we both lived in California. Yeah. Which is so different than here Mm -hmm. in, like, its spirituality and all of that, which I, even when I was there and like, I, I grew up there. So it's like pretty much everything I knew until I moved away. Um, with the exception of like a three-year period living in Ireland, which was life-changing for me. But like before that, um, I kind of just thought that that's how most Christians were and looking at it, like, especially now from like a different place, like specifically LA Christians (laughs) are like their own breed of like, (laughs) I don't know, messed up. Um, Cause and that, that, that sounds like really like judgmental, which is not what it's meant to sound like. But um, did you find that that was a difficult place to live in because of that? Or was it easier having walked through it? Cause for me, it was kind of hard because I felt like, oh my gosh, all these Christians are either fake or suddenly like being spiritual is like having faith or 
the lines were so easily blurred between like, oh, I go to church, but like, I also like sleep with my boyfriend and I live with like him. And sometimes I do drugs and like, you know, but I love Jesus. Like, and, and for me, and maybe this is like big brother-esque of me, like, I'm like, I cannot fathom this. This is so hard for me to understand. Um, And I felt like the more that I was there and the more that, especially when I hung out, like in LA, it was Mm -hmm. like, wait, no, that's not, that's not like having a relationship with Jesus. That's not, you know? Um, Well, let me be very vulnerable about my own judgment, Candice. (laughs) Um, So my tendency of judgment is, you know, I, I know some people in LA who are Christians or say they're Christians and they run large ministries and things, you know, human rights things and just, they, they run big organizations, but yeah, they sleep with their boyfriend. They slept around, they cheated. They, they, you know, were backbiting and gossiping and all the things in the new Testament that, you know, we're not supposed to do, um, that don't look like Jesus. They do all of those things and it's kind of a normal way of life for them. So that is my weak spot in the area of judgment is I, I, I don't see how they could run these ministries or these organizations or nonprofits and yet live the way that they can live. Um, But I had to reconcile that as far as my own judgment. Like I had to deal with myself and I don't think that it's any different anywhere else. It just manifests differently. The heart is deceitful above all things. And we can't, I don't think that any of us are above that. We just think we are. We think we're better. And then again, that's when we've entered into the place of judgment. So I got to say though, that that was hard for me. The people who were genuinely seeking and just messing up just because they were, you know, weak and didn't know what they believed or they had never been truly loved Mm -hmm. by their family or friends or other Christians, or they didn't know the love of God. Like I can always have compassion for that situation. It's, it was mainly the Christian leaders that I had a harder time with because I, I thought, gosh, like you say, you know, the love of God, but in the end, they don't know either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all just trying to gain love and acceptance, however we can get it. And that manifests in different ways for different people. And so for me, it manifests differently than for those people. So again, I just try to not not to step into that place of judgment. And I have a a harder time with a situation like that than I do people who are just outright, you know, hate Christians. Yeah. (laughs) I can, I can love someone who hates Christians because gosh, like we're even called to love the people who, um, who hate and who persecute us. But it's those that think that they're leading a, a charge in the name of righteousness or good and their lives don't look, you know, any different relatively Mm -hmm. have a hard time with that. Oh, I'm with you. That's like the hardest thing for me. That was hard for me, specifically in LA, because there's all these people who are like, oh, I'm a worship leader. And like, I sell these albums and yet what? Like, Mm -hmm. hold on. Like, I can't, I didn't know how to wrap my brain around this. And that happens in Nashville too. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's everywhere. Yeah. It's just humanity. We're just broken. I kind of like how you explained it though, because how you did doesn't 
totally get them off the hook or anything, but it recognizes like, oh, that's not my thing. Like mm-hmm. I have to deal with yeah. me. I have to deal with my, in my lane. Yeah, Boundaries. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If, if we took all the energy we used to judge other people, to focus on loving them, how would the world look different? Like it would be powerful. Yeah. We're so worried about what other people are doing or not doing in relation to what God has told them to do, <laughs> not us, that we are not focusing on what he's told us to do. Yeah. And I mean, I think that takes some comparison away too. Like, you know, you can start comparing yourself like, well, I'm doing this right and I'm doing this right. And well, they're not doing this as, as well or whatever. You start to compare, which is really judgment. But when you focus on loving them, it's like the heart of God just overtakes your heart mm-hmm. and you just you love to love when, when it's his love. Cause it's like this never ending supply of his goodness and grace. And you start to see them differently and you start to see yourself differently when you tap into that love of God. And one thing that I've tried to do, like one time I was in counseling, my counselor made me imagine myself as a five-year-old just to give myself a break, like cut yourself a break. If you were a five-year-old, how would you treat you? And I, I think seeing everyone as a child, there's a reason it says, you know, we have to have childlike faith. Like if you see everyone as a child deep down inside, you have compassion on them. Like who hurt you and what happened that you feel you need to defend yourself like this or lash out in anger or, you know, all the things. But when, when you see that person as an innocent child that God created and he loves them, and they're pure of heart when they start out, you know, I mean, no, they're fallen, broken, right theology, whatever. I'm not trying to like condone bad theology here, but, um, but they are innocent in a sense and trying to love them from that place. That gives a different perspective and hurt people, hurt people. So when you see somebody hurting somebody else, you can just know, man, they're, they've really been hurt in life. And how can I, how can I love them? How can I bring them the opposite? Like if they're anger, angry, how can I bring them peace? If they're confused, how can I bring them clarity? Like, how can I bring them what they need? And not taking it personally when they lash out, but just trusting God to, to serve them well. thank Tasha for reminding us all, you're not the only one who has questions. You're not the only one who has ever struggled with the church or had big doubts. You're not the only one who has had a hard time connecting with other people of faith. Remember to love each other well and first. Remember to rely on God's wisdom and conviction. Remember to bring your questions to God. Don't be afraid of them. They might be the exact thing that brings you deeper and closer into a reviving relationship with the one who made you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Jeremiah 29, 13. Thanks again to Tasha Layton for being on today's episode. If you haven't yet, check out her music. Her new single is called Love Lifting Me. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, or you can just click on the link in the show notes.